Dear Heavenly Father, you are so, so good. And we are so thankful that you are here with us, that you have a plan, that nothing is a surprise to you. We are thankful that you have brought us this far into the year, where now kids will be transitioning back to school. Some of our college students have already left. We, Father, we just hand them over to you, and we just ask you would help them with the transition back to school, with the changes that are coming, wearing masks, social distancing, distance learning, all those types of things. God, would you fill us with your grace, and will you give us what we need, that you would be glorified through this season. We pray for our teachers, both at home, as parents, as well as in the school districts. We ask that you strengthen them, that you would give them what they need, that you would provide for the resource for them to teach well. We continue to pray for our governing authorities and for our leadership here at the church, and we just ask that you would help us and help our leaders to be wise in the choices that we make as we follow uh, the expectations that are around us and we, and we try to be careful and thoughtful of others. God, as we get ready to get back in the sanctuary next week, we just ask for your blessing on this church, that that would be a new beginning, a fresh start for what you have for this church. We are excited about coming back together, and we are excited that you are always with us. Father, as I share today, I just ask for your grace, and I just ask that you would uh, use this message for your glory. Thank you so much for this opportunity this morning, and thank you so much for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Joseph. What do you guys think about Joseph? He's one of those guys that, for me, as I've thought about stepping into eternity one day, he's one of those guys that is at the top of the list for who I want to sit down and talk to. He's one of the first guys I want to interact with and find out what really, what happened behind the scenes that we didn't get to see in the story, and how did you get through all this stuff? It's a remarkable, remarkable story, and I'm so glad we've had the opportunity this summer to jump in and dig into this life that really points to a loving, sovereign father. It really, it's funny, we're, today we're going to talk a lot about Joseph, but in the midst of that, it's really about our Heavenly Father and His grace and His love and His desire to use us for His purposes. Today, as I dig in, uh, I wanted to not necessarily start at chapter 50, because I think it all pieces together, the whole story pieces together as Joseph's life finishes. I wanted to take a moment to look back at that first part of his life prior to his family moving to Canaan and get an idea of what took place there before I head into the next, uh, the next chapter in chapter 50. It would be really cool if we had an opportunity to lay out Joseph's, like see his resume. I always think, wouldn't it be cool to see how it all laid out? Well, as a matter of fact, this morning I was able to find an ancient script of Joseph's resume. For the sake of time, I'm only going to hit a couple of these topics, but as you can see, it's laid out really nicely with his accomplishments, some blessing, his profile, some contact information there, and his source of strength. 
I'm going to focus in now on his accomplishments. And I want us to walk through that. So if we could go to the slide that has the accomplishments a little more focused. Not sure if you guys can read it, but I'll walk through it with you. Joseph has had many accomplishments in his life. As you see from the top, he was a shepherd, he was a reporter, and he was a dreamer. And what was the result of that accomplishment, of being a good, obedient son and just being faithful in those moments? His result was hated by his brothers and sold into slavery. When he got to Egypt as a slave, he was purchased by Potiphar. But God, but God I'm going to steal that today, I think. I'm going to steal Stephen's line today. But God showed up. And he was promoted in charge of the household and all of Potiphar's belongings, giving peace, blessing, and prosperity to Potiphar. But it also brought upon the temptation of Potiphar's wife. As you see in his accomplishments, Joseph also acknowledges that he was a track star. Because Potiphar's wife kept coming after him and he was cornered, he became the fastest runner they had ever seen. He got out of there as quick as possible, leaving behind even his cloak. That's how fast he was. And what was his reward? It was a crown, a medal? No, it was prison. He was sent to prison and he possibly could have been killed for that consequence. In prison, but God was with him. In a matter of time, the warden saw took favor upon Joseph, and that relationship grew, and Joseph was put in charge of all those held in the prison and in charge of the prison. In the process, the cupbearer and the baker show up with a dream, and Joseph interprets that dream on behalf of God. What was the result? The warden had peace, a well-run jail, but Joseph was also forgotten in that process and left there, not knowing why he was there, but being faithful in the process. While in jail, he also had an opportunity. Pharaoh had a dream. And in that moment, the cupbearer remembered Joseph. He recalled the dream that was interpreted, and on behalf of Pharaoh, Joseph had the opportunity to proclaim God's glory, and he interpreted the dream, and then he also gave Pharaoh a plan of how he could respond to the famine that was coming, which resulted in him becoming the governor of Egypt, second to Pharaoh. That process meant he collected the grain, he took care of all the needs that were needed to bring in the harvest, to oversee the storehouses and, and sell the grain to the, Egypt, the Egyptian people, as well as the surrounding countries. What was the result? Lives saved. He was able to preserve his family and restore hope. While governor... Joseph took a moment to become a test proctor. And I, I like that he included that here in the resume. And what was really cool is that they passed the test. The brothers go from getting rid of a brother to hating and basically killing a brother 
to laying down, being willing to lay down their lives for a brother. They passed the test. The family is reunited, and the family is now in Goshen. Goshen would provide during the famine from the nicest part of Egypt. I put a side note here. It says, in each setback, he stepped forward. We don't see him blame or focus on why, but he continues to move forward. Let's head to our next piece here. For the sake of time, let's go down to the source of strength. And as Stephen said, but God. But God was with Joseph. And he, Joseph had his full reliance on God. He was obedient to God and the God-given authority. He was obedient to his slave master, Potiphar. He was obedient to the warden, and he was obedient under Pharaoh. But most importantly, once again, he was obedient under God to be faithful in those circumstances. He believed the promises of God, and he was able to lead well because he followed well. Today, as we look at Genesis 50, the later years of Joseph's life, how did Joseph finish? We see the early years. We see all the cool things that as a young man I admired about Joseph. I could never get over the Potiphar's wife thing, that this dude just ran. And putting that into your heart and saying, God, help me to run from the temptations. Help me to be a Joseph in that circumstance. To now we're in the final days of his life. And that's today what we're going to focus in on is how did he finish in the final days? Did he finish well? When we think of his source of strength from that resume, I'm reminded of what Jesus said. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Joseph is a great example of these words. He was consistent throughout his life, staying connected to God, his source of hope, life, and truth. I often wondered how Joseph would have gotten through many of those circumstances, knowing my failing heart would not have. But God was his strength, and he brought him through. No matter the circumstances that Joseph went through, he finished well. At every stage, he was faithful in those circumstances. When I think about finishing well, maybe even as you think about finishing well, there's some verses that come to your mind. For me, I wanted to highlight at least a couple that helped me to look at Joseph's life and the end of his life. Philippians 3 says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9 states, Do you not know that in the race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to obtain it. And finally, in 2 Timothy it says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. I've given my everything, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. When we talk about Joseph and him finishing well, what are the descriptions here that that would look like? If we finish well, it means we run to win. We don't win if we ease up toward the end. That's not going to win the race. The runner actually speeds up toward the end. 
They give their all, and they leave it all on the field, and finally they actually cross the finish line. They finish the race. How did Joseph exemplify finishing well? Well, there are three ways that I want to focus in on from today's passage in chapter 50. And you can turn with me. It'll also be on the uh, board as well. But number one, Joseph finished well by honoring well. Joseph finished well by honoring well. As we saw in chapter 49, Jacob, his father, has passed. Verses 1 through 14 show Joseph's response. So follow along as I read those verses. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for it, for that is how many are required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him seventy days. And when the days of weeping for him were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, I am about to die. In my tomb that I hewed out for myself in the land of Canaan, there shall you bury me. Now therefore, let me please go up and bury my father, then I will return. And Pharaoh answered, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father. With him, with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the household of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's household. Only their children, their flocks, and their herds were left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen. It was a very great company. When they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great and grievous lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. When the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning on the threshing floor of Atad, they said, this is a grievous mourning by the Egyptians. Therefore, the place they named Abel Mizraim, it is beyond the Jordan. Thus, came, thus his sons did for him as he commanded them, for his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, in the east of Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephraim, the Hittite, to possess as a, a burying place. After he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. What was Joseph's response? Sincere grief and mourning. Extended mourning. We've, we're given a vivid picture of his heart for his father. I envision him leaning over the bed, laying across his father's body. I visualize that scene of him embracing him that last time, fully expressing his love for his father. In that moment, as I read that verse, I was reminded of Jacob's arrival to Egypt 20 years earlier, where Joseph had an encounter with him at that time. In Genesis 46, 29, it states, As soon as Joseph appeared before him, seeing his father for the first time, 
He threw his arms around his father, and he wept for a long time. He wept for a long time. Joseph loved his father. But during his time of mourning, he shifts his honoring to the promise and his father's instructions. He did this by, number one, taking care of his father's body. He gives the order to prepare his dad's body for burial, a 40-day embalming period of mummification, removing the organs, drying out the body, and wrapping it tightly with cloth. By accepting this Egyptian practice, he's allowing the body to travel back to Canaan to be buried, preserving it for that long journey. Number two, he goes and he receives approval from Pharaoh. Step one, take care of the body. Step two in honoring that promise and dad's instruction is getting permission to actually go and bury his father. And as we saw, Pharaoh did allow that. In fact, many of the Egyptians went with Joseph into the next step, the next stage of fulfilling this promise. He honored his father at this point by number three, actually going and traveling with his brothers approximately 650 miles to the land of Canaan and burying him. As, as estimated, that would have taken about 11 days to travel that distance to honor those instructions and fulfill God's promise to Jacob that we saw throughout the Old Testament, but in Genesis 28 specifically, it says that God would always be with him and that where, Jason, where Jacob went, God would bring him back to the promised land. Joseph honored well, and I believe in the process, Joseph was blessed. This journey to the promised land would be the first and final visit for Joseph following being sold into slavery over 20 years earlier. This time, rather than being scared and alone on the trip, he traveled with his brothers and an entourage of Egyptians that went out to honor as well. In addition, I can imagine Joseph spending significant time retracing his history and seeing at each step how God's sovereign plans shined through each stage of the journey in his father's life, his grandfather's life, his great-grandfather's life, and now in his life and in his brother's lives. How he must have celebrated in his heart and praised God for his goodness in this bittersweet experience of mourning his father and retracing his time in Canaan and in Egypt. How about you? How are you doing with honor? I, as I thought of Joseph there and his travels back, I couldn't help but no, remember the times where God has allowed me to maybe revisit a place where I was lost, I was not aware of what God's next steps were. But having the ability to go back from this vantage point and see God's faithfulness and how he pieced it all together for his glory and for my good, that's remarkable. So on that side, are we celebrating what God has done in our lives? Are we honoring him with that? But more specifically, are we honoring well those that have gone 
before us, honoring those who have been witnesses to us or God has placed with a purpose in your life. How are we doing with the honoring of others? Based on Joseph's example of finishing well by honoring well, I uh, recall again being a high school student, and many uh, high schoolers are probably watching this right now, some are sitting here. When I was in high school, honoring my parents was not really a reality for me. And it's, uh, it's funny because as I grew older and I became a follower of Jesus, I'd felt that I had failed as honoring my parents. I'd felt that I'd missed the mark there. But what I have found is that as I've picked it up in my older years, I have found that you can bless your parents after you leave home. I think at one point I felt that the honor ended when you left the home. But the reality is we honor our parents for a lifetime. And God has given me, allowed me grace to honor my parents as I've gotten older. And I think, and what I, well, I shouldn't say think, I know that he has blessed that in my life. I know that he has blessed that. So if, you've been, if you haven't been honoring well, today is a great day to start. If you're struggling with that, just start doing it today. Just start honoring. In addition to honoring well, we are given an example of Joseph forgiving well. He forgave well. Let's read Genesis 15, or 50, verses 15 through 21. Follow along with me. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your fathers. Joseph wept when he when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. How unbelievable is that, those chunks of verses alone? If we were to read anything from the life of Joseph, that is remarkable. Of all the men that had any excuse to hold it against his brothers and not forgive, Joseph shows an image of grace. He weeps that, he, that they are bringing this up when he knows it's already been gone. He's already let it go. But instead of rebuking them, Joseph responds with love. He reminds them once again of that beautiful verse, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. He forgives generously and promises blessings as well. It's a beautiful example of our Savior's love and his forgiveness of us. A few examples I want to share from the, from the Bible that I think give us a vivid uh, image of God's love for us and his response to um, getting rid of our sin. Isaiah 43 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake 
and remembers your sins no more. In Psalm 103, it says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And again in Micah, once again, just gives a quick illustration in our minds of what this really means. It says in Micah 7, 18 and 19, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will trample our iniquities. And he will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. What beautiful illustrations. And we have another one today from Joseph's life of what God does in the believer's heart. Forgiving the sins and moving forward and also blessing and allowing promises. Do you believe what I just read, those verses are true? Do you believe the promises that God has given, that your sins are, when you ask for forgiveness, they're as far as the east is from the west, which is never ending, that it's at the bottom of the deepest sea, that he's trampled them underfoot, that he's forgot them, that they're gone. Do we believe those promises, that he remembers them no more? We have an enemy that loves to remind us of our past, loves to remind us of our past transgressions and sins and bring them up. So we doubt and wonder, was I forgiven? But God's word assures us that we are loved, cared for, and that we are fully forgiven. Hold on to that promise today. Hold on to that promise. In addition to God's forgiveness, he works through others in our lives for his glory as well. Can you imagine the freedom that Joseph's brothers felt when Joseph once again reminded them that their sins, that he had forgiven them, and that he was going to care for them. Can you imagine that freedom? They'd been carrying that load. We know that earlier Joseph had said, I've forgiven you, we've, we've moved on, God meant it for good. But in that moment, the brothers hadn't asked for the forgiveness. They just, Joseph just embraced it and gave it freely. And here, they've been still holding on to it, holding on to it, wondering if his motives were not correct, all those types of things. And sure enough, he says, no, those motives were pure. I meant every word of it. Come, I'll take care of you guys. I will bless you. I love you. Could you imagine that load being lifted from the brothers? Can you believe that? Have you received forgiveness from someone like that? Do you remember the freedom and joy that comes with it? How amazed you were at God's work in that other person that they would have the power to do that when you didn't deserve it. I can recall an experience I, I had like that, kind of like the brothers in Joseph, where for many years God was prompting me, you need to go ask for forgiveness, you need to go ask for forgiveness, you need to go ask for forgiveness. And time went by and time went by, but I was too proud, I was embarrassed, didn't want to humble myself. But God's grace because of God, he prompted that person to come to me, and they extended that grace. And I, even though I didn't deserve it, they forgave. Just like in this image of Joseph and his brothers, how remarkable that was. 
the joy. When I think of grace today, it's the first person I think of. Somebody who allowed God to work in their life and extend grace to somebody who is not even willing to humble themselves and take ownership. Have you ever forgiven like that? Have you ever forgiven like Joseph? Selflessly laying down your rights and blessing the other person. Have you ever forgiven anybody like that? Maybe some of us today are wrestling with an unwillingness to forgive or unwillingness to humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness. Let me say that that is not God's desire or will for your life. Our actions and sins deserved punishment and unforgiveness. But God freely and generously gives us his forgiveness because what Jesus has done on the cross. If we are followers of Jesus, we should be the most generous to others when it comes to forgiveness and grace. And there should be no limit to that grace. We should be allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us and give hope like Joseph gives his undeserving brothers. We see Jesus' heart, Jesus's heart on this in a few verses in the Gospels. In Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Seven times? Jesus answers, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And in Luke 17, Jesus states, if your brother sins against you several times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. How many of us are living by that? You fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. We got a limit. Oh, they've sinned against me that many times. They're out now. There's no, there's no open door. But Jesus and Joseph gives us an example of grace, true grace. And as believers, we should be the first in line to say, I'm sorry, and we should be the first in line to extend generous grace. My third observation for Joseph and finishing well is that he pointed well. He pointed well. Let's read Genesis 50, 22 through 26. So Joseph remains in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years, and Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Machar, of the son Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. This is a very similar, similar moment or passage to what Jacob's ending looked like. We see a lot of parallels there, but in both cases, they're pointing to the promise. In both cases, their faith is pointing to the promise. Joseph points the way as he looks ahead, emphasizing its importance by saying it twice so the family didn't miss it. Proclaiming, God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of the land 
to the land he promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph dies at the age of 110, and the next steps to the promise begin. His body was mummified like his father's and placed in a sarcophagus. And now we wait. Whether due to his hero status in Egypt and inability to be taken out of Egypt, or the inability, the inability for the family to return to Canaan at that time, Joseph's body waits for his return to the promised land. The New Testament book of Hebrews 11 is called the Heroes of the Faith chapter. How do we know that Joseph finished well? Let's read and see. Hebrews 11 verse 1 states, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Does Joseph fit that description? Joseph fits the description as he trusts the promise and pointed to God throughout his life. And how about later in the chapter? Hebrews 11 verse 13 says, These, the heroes of the faith, all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Did Joseph finish, did he finish well by following that description? He did. He fits the description of holding tight to those promises, even to his last days on earth, and into the days and years after his death on earth. And sure enough, when the heroes' names are listed in Hebrews 11, Joseph is listed among them. And I do want to note that he's not listed in the heroes of the faith for everything in his life that he was heroic for. All the details, as we look at the whole story, there's so many things Joseph could be listed here for. But the thing it was that set him apart is how he finished. It was the finish. Did Joseph finish well? He did. In Hebrews 11:22, it says, By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. A life well lived, a, a life finished well. Even in death, Joseph was pointing the way. I do not know the specific details, but I can imagine the temporary space where he was entombed for 400 years. 400 years. Whether it was visibly marked or not, it was a constant reminder to those who walked by or lived near. I imagine the stories of generation after generation talking about Joseph and those bones and actually walking over and seeing those are the bones when we leave. And they, they were pointing to the promise because Joseph pointed the promise to them. How remarkable, a beacon of hope. And they never forgot that promise. In Exodus 13, 19, it states that as the Israelites left Egypt, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And we see the fulfillment of Joseph's faith in Joshua 24, 32. As for the bones of Joseph which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem 
in, the, in a piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph in the promised land. Joseph believed the promises of God, and he lived his life accordingly. God has given us promises as well, some that have already been fulfilled and some that have not yet, but that are to, going to come. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Another promise. As Jesus is ascending into heaven, another vivid image. Jesus is ascending into heaven, and two angels appear to the disciples. And he says, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? And I imagine them just kind of staring into heaven. And these guys are like, come on, what are you doing here? What's going on? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He will physically return to earth. And again, Jesus affirms this at the end of Revelation by saying, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense or reward with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Jesus is coming again, and he promises eternity with him. This is our promise. How are we living in light of that truth? Are we following the example of Joseph and looking beyond our circumstances to the promise? Are we pointing well to Jesus? Are we pointing well to those promises? As I close, when we are in eternity, when the ripple effects of our pointing are revealed, when people share the stories of their faith, will our story of pointing be carried with them and show the impact it has had on generation after generation, like Joseph's pointing did? At the start of my talk today, I mentioned not being surprised that Joseph finished well because he was consistent throughout his life. God was there. He followed God well. But what does that mean for us, those who have failed in the first Part of our lives. What about us? Well, let me remind you, Jacob's life was full of drama, dysfunction, and deception. But God transformed his life and he became a believer and a true pointer to God's promises. Joseph's brothers were haters, liars, killers, and adulterers. But God transformed their lives, and they were restored, forgiven, and heirs to the promise, pointing the way for all to be saved through Jesus. Today is our day to start finishing well. I don't care how old you are, if you're 5, you're 10, 15, 40, 70, 100, 110. Anything in between. 
Today is the day to grab a hold of God's promises and finish well. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much again for the opportunity to dig into your word. What a privilege it is for us to be able to dig in and, and see your promises fulfilled. And we thank you so much for this series on Joseph that we've gotten to go through this summer. We are so thankful for this example. And Father, we are so thankful for the example of the family as well, the ones we fit in with the most, the broken, the messed up, the haters, the liars, the adulterers. Father, you restored us all, and you restore us all through Jesus when we put our trust in you. And God, we thank you and we praise you. We praise you for the promises fulfilled through Joseph and his family's life, and we praise you for the promises fulfilled at the cross through Jesus, and we praise you for the promises yet to come, that you are returning again. And Father, we greet that with open arms, and we ask that you would help us to honor well, forgive well, and to point well to that promise. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hi everybody, Pastor Jason here, and I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church, you can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free, and you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests, and we would love to pray for you. And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage, and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week, and we will look forward to seeing you soon.